Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Straight Shooter Recruiter. I'm Emily, and I'm an experienced student and new grad recruiter who is obsessed with giving you honest and real career advice. If you've listened to my other episodes, first of all, thank you. I appreciate it. You already know that my podcast tends to have quite a bit of structure in all of the episodes, but I want today to be a little bit different. I wanted to put together a list of the most valuable career advice for students and new grads that I can think of. Some of these tips were taught to be by my managers, my mentors, my friends, and some of them I just learned through experience. And by experience, I mean mistakes and lots of them. So with that out of the way, let's jump right into it. Hey, but before the fun stuff starts, you should pause this or keep it rolling. Go over to Instagram because I know you have it and follow me at emily.the.recruiter so we can connect a little bit more, but also so you can submit your questions to me in advance of next week's episode. The first piece of advice that I have, I learned through experience. So here's a little bit of a backstory just so some of my tips make sense because I'm going to refer back to this story a couple of times in this episode. Um, But throwback to high school, I was a huge theater nerd, like theater nerd with a capital T. I spent most of my free time throwing myself into school plays, reading books about theater, and in grade 12, I made the decision that I wanted to study acting in university. And unlike other majors, for those of you who don't know, when you apply to a theater program, your acceptance was based on your grades, an admissions essay, but then also an audition. So from what I remember, my audition at York, which at the time was my dream school, and funny enough, I still ended up going there, was two monologues and also an improvisation test as well. Anyways, I ended up getting accepted to what is a very competitive acting program at York, and I was so excited. My sweet Italian grandmother was very supportive, but also low-key devastated that I was not becoming a doctor or engineer. I can still hear her saying, my sweet Amelia, why do you want to do this? Go be a doctor. Bless her heart and my horrible Italian accent. But all jokes aside, she really was and still is my biggest fan. And I spent the entire summer leading up to that first year so excited. I was so excited that all I did was read and prep and try to get ready for my first year to dive into acting. I thought I found my thing. So I went to one class on my first day of school and out of nowhere, that spark and fire for fine arts just kind of died. Literally, it was on impact. I woke up the day after that first day of classes and I just felt different. I still have a really hard time articulating why I think I felt this way, but it honestly was like a switch. Like my desire to act just turned off. I still love the craft. I don't think I ever stopped loving it, but my desire for that to be my career just dissipated. So that same morning where I woke up and felt really differently about what I was choosing to do with my schooling, I was panicking. I was trying to figure out why I felt that way, how it was possible to feel that way. So I started talking it through with my mom. I like was crying and calling my best friend. And everyone in my life told me not to make any rash decisions, just sit on it, think about it, see if this feeling goes away, you could just be having a bad day. (laughs) Try telling that to 18-year-old Emily because she was making a decision the same day. 
Literally a couple of hours later, I called my school admissions team and switched majors. Same day. I moved from acting into economics because that's a natural transition. I don't even know what to say about that transition. Anyways, I listened to my gut, switched majors, and I hated it. Economics sucked. It bored me. I wasn't good at it. I didn't find it interesting. So at the end of my first year, I decided to switch majors again. Around April of that year, I was researching what program sounded interesting to me, and ultimately it came down to me doing eeny, meeny, miny, mo. And if you think I'm joking, I'm not. I literally did eeny, meeny, miny, mo between marketing and human resources. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that my index finger landed on HR, and here we are. The irony of me selecting my career with a game of eeny, meeny, miny, mo to now me having a career podcast is not lost on me. Anyways, thank God I fell in love with HR and I fell in love hard. It really woke up this light and spark in me. I felt excited to learn. I was passionate and I really felt like I could have a long and sustainable career in this. I was really happy. After I graduated, I started working in human resources as a campus recruitment coordinator and eventually worked my way up to a senior campus recruiter over the last four years. I'm telling you this because there are a million different areas of human resources. There's compensation, policies, payroll. And after I graduated, it was completely chance that I landed in campus recruitment. But I felt that spark again, and it amplified. Even my bad days in campus recruiting are a million times better than my best days in economics. I loved and still love what I do. I believe in it, and I genuinely enjoy the craft. I think I found my thing. All of this to say, give yourself space to find your thing. Try new things. Experiment. The only way you're going to find something you love, whether it's your major, your job, or your career path, is by trying. Push yourself to constantly learn and be exposed to new opportunities. But most importantly, give yourself the space to try something and accept that you hate it. If I forced myself to finish that economics degree, I don't even know where I would be, but I can tell you it wouldn't be happy. So my piece of advice that I'm going to start with is find your thing. And it's also okay if you find out what you don't like along the way. You can't force yourself to love something that isn't meant for you. Fun fact about me, I can't count. If the number is past 10... I'm not counting it. Why? Because I'm still using my fingers most times to count. Numbers have never been my thing, and honestly, they probably never will be. I also suck at organized sports, but that skill gap has been really easy to hide. So what's my second piece of advice? Know what you bring to the table and know what you don't. Both in your career and your academic life, you're going to be exposed to moments where you can shine and moments where you're going to have to learn. It's important to know what skills you lack so you can go out of your way to be better and grow. For me, this means extra attention to things like Excel and data management. It also means that even to this day, anytime someone asks me for data, I need to take a little more time than the average recruiter because I know I need to triple and double check every single thing that I do to trust that it's perfect. 
So you need to know what you're naturally less amazing at so you can spend a little more time there. This is going to make sure you don't make any errors that might impact your professional brand or your performance. And above that, it's legitimately important to try and get better at these things, even if that means I'll only ever be able to count to 11. But on the flip side of that, you should know where you shine, my friends. If you're great at something, be great at it. At work, you should volunteer for team projects that use that skill or offer to help out people in your team learning that skill. You can also use this skill to make up for what you might lack. In university, I used to do this all of the time when I eventually landed on a major that I liked, that is. During my presentations, I would always take more of a human-centered or people-focused approach versus the data-centered, more fact-based approach. This spin usually was quite well received and it highlighted my skills and somewhat masked my lack of ability to multiply. Know where you rock and know where you can get a bit better so you can shine and then grow. And for the record, I'm working on my data management skills. I promise it's happening. My next tip is something that I still work on all the time, if not every day. It's get comfortable with constructive criticism that doesn't feel constructive. And also get comfortable with being told no. Constructive criticism is always coming from a good place. It's usually phrased in a way that makes you feel good. It makes you feel like someone wants to see you develop and wants you to work on this one small area that doesn't define who you are as a person. Cool. Constructive criticism is a piece of cake. We can take it, no problem. The problem is, though, that many people don't actually deliver constructive criticism when they think they do. They tell you really bluntly that something about you isn't great and that you need to deal with it, and then they walk away. And then you cry alone in your room, listening to Coldplay, asking yourself if you've always been an idiot or if this is something new that you're doing. Something that my mom, my mentors, and my friends have always told me is that I care a little bit too much about my job. And if you're here, I'm guessing you do too. People aren't always going to give you feedback that sounds or feels nice. Sometimes that's because of how it's delivered, yeah, but a lot of times it's all about how we receive it. My advice is do your best not to take anything personally or as a personal attack. So do your best to reframe it in your mind so that this constructive criticism is exclusively about your work and output a thing you do, not a thing you are. It has nothing to do with your overall intelligence, your mind, or your kindness. It's simply one small action we can take to adjust to get better. And I found that I receive feedback sometimes that stings a little bit extra. And when I do, it's probably because I was already insecure about it. Refer back to tip number two, know where you lack. Part of knowing where you need to grow is receiving feedback with grace, removing the emotional element, and just accepting it's a thing we can do better at. And I would say for me, reframing what it means to receive feedback was the biggest part. I no longer see it as an emotional process or an emotional conversation. Removing the feelings or that feeling of being attacked from receiving feedback is really freeing because now I feel comfortable getting feedback. I welcome it and I enjoy it because I know it makes me better at what I do. And people who care about you want to see you do better. And that's why they're giving you feedback. And that brings me to my next tip. 
anything that costs you your peace is too expensive. I'll say it again for those of you who were scrolling on Insta or taking a selfie, just because I think it's important. Anything that costs you your peace is too expensive. Your job, your school, your anything can get stressful at times. There are going to be days where you feel overwhelmed or in over your head. You're going to wonder if you're smart enough or qualified enough to do what needs to get done. Bad days will happen. Bad weeks might happen. But if your job or your school is constantly making you feel anxious and unwell, take time to think about what you really need and want. Do you need to lighten your course load? Do you actually just hate your major? Do you hate your job? I've been there too. I can't even put words to how stressed I was the first couple years of university, especially while I was studying economics. I couldn't sleep, I had no social life, and I was generally unhappy with my career path. But at the end of that first year, I took a step back, spoke to people that I cared about, and realized that I didn't like the path I had chosen. I didn't like it at all. And it wasn't really an easy thing to realize because I felt like a failure. I had already switched my major once. I was already only taking a handful of courses that year, and the workload wasn't crazy, but to me, it felt heavy. And I know now that it felt heavy because I didn't like it. I almost doubled my course load when I started studying HR, and my grades were a lot better, and it's because I loved it. So if something is truly costing you your peace, and not just a little bit of stress here and there, but really your peace, don't ignore that. If you loved it, you would love it on your bad days too. The last tip is something that my dad has always said to me, and it really sticks with me. You can't teach attitude. I will never be perfect. There are a million things that I can improve on in my personal life, my work life, this podcast, my fashion sense, my really bad at-home gym routine. You can teach skills, new opportunities, or new ways of thinking. But if I don't want to learn and be kind and be humble, nothing is ever going to change. Your attitude, kindness, and selflessness is what matters. It's what gets you remembered. And honestly, it's the right thing to do because people don't forget how you make them feel. So make the focus of your development, yes, on your skills, but on having an attitude that's teachable and above all, that's just nice and kind. This is arguably the most cheesy and corny episode I've ever done, and I'm not sorry. I'm not. I love that you stuck through it with me, and I really hope it helped. I hope it makes you feel more connected and reassured that all of these terrifying things you're feeling about your career or school are normal and that they get better. So thank you for listening, and I can't wait to hang out with you next week.